Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Slugs. Inco. Comma. Slugs. Inco. Comma. Slugs. Inco. Comma. probably not familiar but maybe you are if it showed up in a David Simon thing. So Baltimore is a place where there are uh, there's this thing of uh, shake it and jiggle it of <laughs> young leak I'm, yeah, I, I, know, a... I know who young leak be. <laughs> um, squeegee kids have you heard of squeegee kids? Yeah, I mean, yeah. from the context of they exist in cities outside of Yeah, Baltimore. but it's like a really... I, I mean, know, it was a, a very big, Like, that was one of Giuliani's, like, fucking things back in the day. Yeah, but in Baltimore, there's never been a significant... Like, Baltimore hasn't had a mayor who was like Giuliani, who was like... Baltimore has not had a uh, racist who would just lock up all the poor people. Yeah, a mayor. The racist from Baltimore usually uh, gets to be governor for a little while, if they go anywhere, uh, because they're a Republican. So a lot of people who don't live in Baltimore, who drive through it, a lot of white people specifically complain a lot about the squeegee kids. They can sometimes be a little bit pushy, you know, but they are visibly children most of the time. So, you know, it's that whole thing. But today there was an altercation and a gentleman got angry at the squeegee kids, ran through like a red light, pulled over, got a baseball bat out of his car, went to attack the kid and the kid shot him. Eh. I mean, that actually uh, seems incredibly straightforward. I mean, he was being attacked and whatever, but now it's going to be just a conversation. Oh, that'll be fun. Oh, this uh, is I yeah. did not know about this story. It literally just happened a okay. few hours ago. Um, All right, well, this is, uh, so, is going to be fun. So, I, yeah. I, I think I need to start a new Twitter account. Like, this is yeah, um, almost worth it for this. Because... You know, support the squeegee kid. Yeah, no, this is, I mean, that kid fucking owns and, like, yeah, absolutely support the gray market economy, be it selling the beef from the pits uh, to <laughs> your street falafels and street churros and squeegee boys. Uh, they all are part of a fabric of urban life that has been present since well before the Dickensian era. And uh, should be celebrated as a wonderful uh, element of the fabric of the city. But also, it does seem like if you're charging someone with a baseball bat, they are within their rights to shoot you. Yeah, so it... Yeah, I mean, it's, he could have driven away. He yeah. could have not gotten out of his car. Uh, like, not have yeah, to. no, I mean, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. you I thought you were going to say, like, plowed into one or two um and that that would be annoying because that would actually be like a fucking gray uh area where it's like uh did he feel threatened then he was trying to pull away and he incidentally harmed them but no this is uh straight up um i will be very surprised actually if they're able to convict that kid that seems really uh straightforward it's the kind of thing where people are going to be making some uh, backbending arguments. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, they, yeah, they're going to, like, there's going to be fun words that are going to come out that are secret words for even funner words. I mean, and I, I do want to state that specifically, like, there's been a lot of a lot of drama over the squeegee kids' existence over the past few years in Baltimore. 
And I, I think even recently, the uh, the Baltimore's uh, newspaper, the Baltimore Sun, basically wrote this apology for fostering mal malice, mal whatever you want to say uh, about the squeegee kids. Baltimore Sun being the former employer of David Simon. David Simon. I mean, the the sad thing is, why are there squeegee kids out there? Because they need money. Yeah, yeah. Is there I mean, any other like, way to make money, you know, that's right, not Right, illegal. like, I mean, they used to, you know, shine your boots, governor, but shit, no yeah. more. Um, because so men don't know how to dress. Yeah, so there's been things that, like, I think there was some um, fucking lame, and sorry if anyone I know is involved with this, but there was some lame, like, program that was, like, trying to, like... We got to see these squeegee kids as young entrepreneurs, <laughs> and like, <laughs> which, like, I mean, in the sense of yeah, sort of, but also that it's the you know zone of capital that is always going to be what it is. It's it's just it's survival and sustenance capitalism. Um, again, I mean, yeah, they're, they're young entrepreneurs. The Newsies were young entrepreneurs before them. Well, the, and I mean, the if, boot look, if you of don't London want, were young entrepreneurs. If you don't want squeegee kids, then give them money. That's really, like, that would do it. But nobody's going to do that. That's ridiculous. Um, so, like, all the problems where you could simply give people money for them to stop doing the thing that you find bad. And well, also, let's be clear, uh, mildly irksome. What? The, just the squeegee kids. I mean, at the end of the day, they're an annoyance. They are not bad yeah and i do want to point out i mean and they are often uh fixated on as like you know i want to say there's a huge chunk of white people uh who don't spend haven't spent any significant time in the city outside of um you know going to a baseball game or something fun and curated right I want to just point out that the squeegee kids don't even, wouldn't even need to be uh, accosting people for people like this to be, feel nervous about them. Like there were complaints back in the day. I remember when I was younger, people didn't want to, oh, I don't want to drive, drive through that neighborhood. Everyone's always out on their stoops. You know, like right. <laughs> just the general discomfort with the other people who live in their community. So yeah, this is gonna is gonna be a bad. It's people are gonna say a bunch of dumb shit, and um, you know, I mean, people really don't know how to talk about guns in a place like Baltimore. Mm. You know, because you've got like a lot of the narratives that are present in other places, but like different other places in the same place in Baltimore a little bit. Like what? Um, the same kind of thing that happens uh, around gun violence and when people talk about, people want to mention like Chicago, mm -hmm. right? Baltimore is like right secondary tertiary in that imagination of a black city mm -hmm. that has a gun violence problem. But then you also have conservative people who the only place they want any gun control is basically just in that neighborhood you saw the CVS get burned on TV, everyone. Right. <laughs> Sandtown in West Baltimore. So, like, uh, there periodically are gun buyback programs. You turn in a gun, you get something. Those things operate with some regularity in Baltimore City. I don't think anyone's under the impression that anyone would bring all of their guns in that scenario. And frankly, I know more people who have guns in their homes than do not in Baltimore. Mm. Absolutely. And several with more than one gun in their home. Because you gotta have a drop piece. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's always been a uh, thing because... I know when I was younger, um, I don't, I've never been really into, into guns. And I, I think I shared on here uh, that I 
wrote a um, a speech uh, as a elementary school student for the American Legion. I don't know that you mentioned that. Did I not? Okay, I so when I was fourth grade ish, um, I wrote this essay rather uh, for a contest for the American Legion. I won the contest. And it was about being an American or being a good citizen. It was something like this, something the American Legion would have children write about. And um, <laughs> I found a copy of it uh, in my parents' house because we had a house fire, so I don't have a ton of things that um, I had as a kid. But what could be saved is all like tucked and whatever, and, but nobody looks through it. And then, uh, yeah, I looked through it. I found it. And in this essay, I, um, I and I want to emphasize again, I was in the fourth grade, but I make the argument in the essay that we should regulate bullets. Oh, <laughs> uh, the old Chris Rock. But I said this I, before the Chris Rock uh, special where he makes this joke. But I said it very sincerely <laughs> from a very, like, bing, bang, boom, solve the problem, guys. If we restrict bullets, if we know where all the bullets are, there you go. I mean, I still kind of think that. I think, uh, okay, you have all the guns, but we track all the bullets now. <laughs> like, if somebody has a concentration of bullets, we should know about this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, to just, uh, just a thought, but obviously nobody really wants to, or never. People are afraid of the truth. Yeah. Well, also nobody wants to, it's kind of the same thing that's happening with abortion, where you have some of these conservative women essentially making the argument, like the only moral abortion is my abortion. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing around guns where oh, well, those people out there who I don't want to have guns shouldn't have guns. But we, but we can't make any rules that would possibly restrict my ability to have guns, even if I don't have any guns at this time. <laughs> so, and then there's another thing, like in Maryland specifically, uh, you cannot get a uh, medical marijuana uh, license and own a firearm. Wow. It's incredibly fucking stupid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Pennsylvania's got that too. A lot of states do. Yeah. Um, I do know that a lot of people who are very pro-gun that live in the suburbs or in the countryside in Maryland, I have friends in Maryland that are like, oh, we don't go to Baltimore because they don't allow guns, basically. At least that's what they told me. Well, yeah. If you're in a if you're in a fucking shitty part of Maryland, Cecil County, fucking all, where the Klan is, yeah, there are people who will have their guns and whatever. I don't know why, and I don't know what's fun about it for them, and I don't know why they need to tell themselves this fucking story. Uh, one, nothing's stopping you from. Well, it's it, they explained it to me. And they had friends that were more conservative than them who were more into guns and more into clanny kind of things. Their irrational fear is that there is going to be massive institutional collapse in Baltimore and that it is going to spread to them. Afraid oh, of. do you mean the people that you fucking shit on and yeah, I mean, whatever okay, also, that might affect you one day? You fucking pieces of shit. Oh, sorry, sorry I, I don't to, know your friends at all. Just I'm just, to, nah, I just yeah, this idea about Baltimore is so fucking pervasive. There are people who are like, you can't even go down this street because yeah, no, it's so and fucking it's made retarded. Up. But um, yeah, the other thing is like. You know, if you don't live in a city, in many ways, you're the result of institutional collapse. That, that's why institutional collapse happens in cities, is because something has to be there to collapse. There's nothing where you are. It's a wasteland. It doesn't matter. We built institutions to avoid living where you just do. Well, it's like there are just so many people in the outside Baltimore City area 
who never go there, who live in these fucking estates that are carbon copies of... I've been in four different people's houses that was the same house. Mm -hmm. Like, the exact same house. And it's all, like, gated community, kind of. Uh, No, they don't have to gate because they do things like uh, pull a chapelle. They make sure you can't build apartments in this... Not even talking about affordable housing. You can't even build apartments. Yeah. Because... Blah. And I mean, it's not just wealthier people. It's not just like classically conservative people. There's all kinds of people who grow up in the city who also start, oh yeah, I'm going to make some money. I'm going to move out to Howard County and they can't build new apartments around there. And then my kids are going to go and then they're not going to, you know what I mean? Like everyone's trying to like send their kids to these shittier fucking like county schools that are just full of opioid crisis shit just because they don't want to be around black people yes that is exactly they would rather die of opiate overdoses they'd rather kill their own child (laughs) did you guys see they yeah, yeah, I saw Dilbert, man. I don't even give a shit. He's my enemy. This was, he's classically my enemy, but this was a little bit much even for Wait, me. Explain this to me. What was his? Dilbert, man. Scott, Scott Adams. Adams, you know, in his fucking belly aching. Uh, he said that there's only two things you, if you have a child who is between 14 and 18, um, and they are having problems all you can do is kill them or watch other people die implying that his stepson who died of a fentanyl overdose somehow is the same as a school shooter um and but this is all about a crisis of masculinity and our poor young men yeah, it's a crisis of him being a shitty fucking father because he's a drunk. <laughs> That's what it's a crisis of. Fuck you, Dilbert, man. Yeah. You fucking but, drunk. I mean, it is very representative of what I see is that instead of having any ideas about anything, it's, oh, oh what about us nobody wants to help us which is fucking bullshit okay like there are a million things for sad boys to do instead of kill themselves and kill other people yeah listen to fucking terrible music yeah like make it my problem jesus you know but be a soundcloud rapper but then kill other people um Write annoying, whiny poetry about how Anne Frank's your girlfriend. But then, I mean, because the crisis isn't about young men being depressed. It's that the world is broken. And if you... But if you are depressed and differentiating a little bit between clinical depression and having a period of depression, I've had both. But when it's not purely clinical depression... And it is somewhat circumstantial. What are we offering to any young people for our future? Like, I, it, it's way harder to get famous on TikTok than it is to shoot a bunch of people. Not to be too glib about it, but what do young people even look forward to doing? Fucking hope to get in on some weird gambling thing? Yeah, back in the day, if you were, like, just even a moderately talented white man, you could uh, have a nationally syndicated comic strip that would appear in newspapers across the nation. (laughs) It was easy as fuck. Everyone could do it. and I'm always... Um, There's an entire generation that is living off of that golden age of nationally syndicated newspaper comic strips. I must, must, must bring up as I am obligated to do anytime my nemesis Scott Adams comes up. I have hated Scott Adams very pointedly for over a decade. About a decade ago, he wrote this article about a woman who was suing Walmart for discrimination, who was an employee there. But the entire article was about how, well, she could just say 
that she's being discriminated against because she's a woman and Mexican. But what if she's really just like bad at the job? <laughs> and I was like, you're a fucking piece of shit, Dilbert man. And that is also when I discovered that Dilbert man, Scott Adams, is a proponent of the secret. Mm. He Good. now he didn't learn about it from the secret. He read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, which is the pretty much the seminal work that new thought people of the 20th century sort of orbited around. Um, but it's one, it's kind of a book that worked both for woo-woo-y stuff, but also like hustle, hustle, like whatever. Well, I mean, yeah, the modern era of the new thought is the marriage of yes, new, new age and capitalism. Um, I mean, that is what yeah, all he of would, those things are. I mean, are. he sort of, he, so Napoleon Hill's sort of the godfather of that in many ways. Now, something that Napoleon Hill and several other new thought practitioners uh, recommend is to essentially like vision boards, uh, write down your dreams, um, write it down every day, write it down this many times. And what Scott Adams describes is that he wanted Dilbert to become a nationally syndicated comic strip and he wrote this down to the universe and it came true. And he hasn't talked as much about this in uh, recent years. Again, this he wants is, to cover it up in like, like Again, the like early 70s era where just anyone, any human being from the early to late 70s, if you got in on that ground floor, you would have a nationally syndicated comic strip. So uh, this is the 80s because he came, came to... Napoleon yeah, yeah, Hill yeah, stuff. Just over it is a little later. Yeah, he came to Napoleon Hill stuff via people who were in oh, yeah. to Amway. Uh, all right, and yeah, yeah. yeah late seventies, early eighties. We got like you know, you got your Garfield, your Doonesbury. I mean, Calvin yeah, and Hobbes. I just side. yeah. So I just want to emphasize that this man believes he wrote down a magic spell in a book and it came true. Which I'm not against if you're not a dick. Like if that's how. On the other hand, uh, as I want to do, there are nuggets of good ideas even amongst the absolute trash and rubble of, of uh, some of the like Gary, types of ideas. Gary Larson, like, I, I love Gary Larson. I, I grew up on Farside and shit, but, like, you know, he, he can literally just have something that just is a drawing of a giant head and he, like, labels it a big head and that people are like, this is the most clever, subversive shit that has ever been printed to the page. Yeah. It was a wild time. Yeah. If you're a boomer, you could just do a comic. But I do find that there is this, like, nexus of guys who really wanted something and focused on it and got it in a way where they cannot consider that any fortune or luck... The happenstance came into play, or you know them being a white man. <laughs> Especially, Doonesbury is like a dude who went to an Ivy League school with like eight senators, who then started a comic strip in his college newspaper just about him and his roommate being boring and then like just kind of carried that over after he graduated and oh yeah all of his friends are in politics because he went to an ivy league school so that's what the fucking yeah um as somebody who read the funny papers every single week i've never never read that boring dude shit i was over here with luann with kathy with they even still have brenda Starr. yeah (laughs) Um, kathy Always being worried about turning 40 or whatever. Eck. This is a Kathy cartoon. Yeah, that cartoon copied exactly what you said the other day. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Eck. Yeah. What's that? That New York Times op-ed about abortion yeah. that made me absolutely I, fucking insane. Uh, I am so fucking mad that the New York Times would even publish. I know it's an op-ed, but uh, it's fucking... No, yeah, the New York Times should not have published that. I was thinking about you because I did hear another news coverage of it, and I was like, oh man, Bunny is going to go in on this episode. So, long story short, there's an op-ed written. The headline is 
like in a post-row world, doctors don't need to pit mothers against babies, which one, nobody's doing that, you fucking ghoul. I despise you. But this woman, this woman's a 110% lunatic. She's somebody who was formerly an atheist, but the kind of atheist who writes for the American conservative, who um, in 2012 converted to Catholicism, a totally normal and not insane thing to do. So she's been Catholic since then, but she gets to speak with this authority, having formerly been an atheist, quote unquote atheist. Her article is about how she had an ectopic pregnancy and her husband, she and her husband decided to go out of their way to go to New Jersey to a Catholic hospital. If you don't know, an ectopic pregnancy is when a fertilized egg implants itself in the fallopian tube. The embryo cannot survive and if it is allowed to grow, it will tear the woman's insides apart and kill her. An embryo cannot turn into a fetus without being implanted in a uterine wall, if you didn't know, which apparently this stupid bitch doesn't know. I also just find it interesting that she doesn't realize she needs to kind of pick a lane where either this is not a life or you did get an abortion. Oh, no, she picked both of those. Right, right. Well, that that's my point. Like, you can't say, oh, this isn't really an abortion if you also consider the thing that's being removed, the baby, like... Well, that's my whole problem is that she's... So her quote is, I wanted to go somewhere, a Catholic hospital, where I would be treated with care, where the child we lost would be treated like a life. And, yeah, that the and also doctor, she named the kid chameleon or some yeah. shit like it's a lizard. Um, well, it's named for a saint who was mistreated by doctors. I want to fucking uh, punch this woman in the fucking face It's so named for much. a saint with color-changing skin who eats uh, insects with a tongue that can stretch out to three times its body length. So she states that she wanted to feel good um, about how the care she was receiving and the doctor who did the procedure would be the first to look upon her child as it was delivered. That's how she put it. Mm -hmm. I want to again emphasize, there is no fetus with an ectopic pregnancy. It is, li she's, it is literally tissue. You, you do realize that Come is also babies. That's when life starts. She's talking in this article, presenting people with images of stillbirth, of a late pregnancy catastrophe, which women do experience, including crazy pro-life Catholic women like herself. And she is stealing their fucking valor for getting a procedure she was not conscious for that involved no delivering of any kind of thing that would resemble a body. Like and also plasma, that procedure right? is still in fact a fucking abortion. Well, it's a DNC. The problem is, is that men made all the things. So technically it doesn't matter what the care is for because there's this weird detachment. So like rhetorically, like, it's still an abortion, but it wasn't a baby. It was a thing yep. that was going to kill you. It, yep. it was a misplanted embryo, and it should have passed, but it implanted itself in your fallopian tube. And Like a fucking moron. The, the weirdest thing about the article was that she wanted a coffin for it. She also went to this specific hospital because she knew the Abbey that's connected to it would send her a tiny coffin. And again, there is no body. There is nothing that resembles even a fetus that's happened with an ectopic pregnancy. So when a woman has an ectopic pregnancy, she must have a DNC, which is an abortive procedure. But if there is 
legal liability connected to performing that procedure, even if it's not for an elective abortion, women who need this done sometimes within the hour or they will bleed out and die, or they're going to die. They're just going to let a bunch of women die, including conservative women, including whatever, because... It, this dumb bitch. Because what's going to happen is fewer doctors in these areas are going to even learn how to do it. And if they have to consult legal before performing an emergency, it's going to kill people. For her to present this argument like, one, I'm disgusted at the amount of... I've known women who've had late late-term catastrophic things happen in their pregnancy where they had to deliver a dead baby. That's a thing that happens. And this bitch is talking like that happened to her, and it didn't. It absolutely did not. She had an ectopic pregnancy that threatened her life, and she had enough time to arrange to go to a different hospital to get the procedure done that she considered an abortive procedure because she wanted to do a make-believe about people being nice to the body of a child that doesn't exist. That she named. Nobody who is trying to have children names their embryo. She named it so she could write this article. So she could be like, well, what's really concerning is how doctors are pitting mothers against babies. So... I don't know. I'm just like thoroughly disgusted. But what disturbs me more is that there's enough people who don't know how it works that they are taking someone like her's word for it. She's talking about a body and a coffin and delivering. None of that shit happened. An ectopic pregnancy from the time that egg was fertilized, like say it wasn't an ectopic pregnancy, that same embryo did make it to her uterus she would not even be far enough along to... Know she was pregnant? Yes. Like, to necessarily know she was pregnant. Or when I had my abortion, I caught it so early, I had to wait to get my abortion because it was too early. And guess what? There wasn't a body then either. And whether you metaphysically, philosophically, spiritually believe there's a little tiny soul in the fertilized egg has nothing to do with making shit up, making medical things up that you didn't experience, that didn't happen to you. And I'm just so concerned. The, the, the men who were making laws who were like, well, can't they just re-implant it? Those men are still in charge of things in places. Like nobody, there's people who like, because somebody like me maybe was the one who corrected them. That's not how it works. They don't believe you. <laughs> it was weird. That the New York Times gave such a platform for this. Yeah, I'm that, disgusted. Yeah, the New York. Yeah, no, it, it's actually incredibly fucking unforgivable of them. Um, and there was a slew of articles that kind of did. A sympa- this is a hot thing to do. Yeah, like, and as somebody in the journalistic space, you were kind of incentivized to do this, which yeah. drove me nuts because. Of course, everything is on, you know, a marketplace where you have to find the niche thing that people are going to click on or else you lose your job. You know, you you publish or die, basically. You click or die, and you die by the clicks. And the thing that they love is the minority that is unspoken or isn't being covered by major news sources. You have to find this little angle that people are going to click on to hate it or to love it. And in this case, you know who they gave the most ink to? Conservative women that were happy well, that Roe got overturned. Well, all like conservative women who are happy that Roe got overturned are all lunatics hypocritical fucking lunatics and frankly like should not get a voice <laughs> like well and that's, like and that's the, that's I just the... wanted to quote it directly because of course I did click of course it enraged me but the way she put it also her name is Leah Labresco Sergeant yeah I'm sure you're a big atheist when you're younger days she's like I'm in the NYT today talking about chameleon 
one of the children we lost through ectopic pregnancy. We got on a train to New Jersey to see a Catholic doctor because we wanted someone who would, asterisk, deliver our baby, asterisk, not asterisk, remove a clump of cells. Well, you, you got cross, tissue was removed. Tissue you, that was harming you was you removed. You crossed state lines to get an abortion, you bitch. Exactly. And many people uh, in response to this pointed that out, that, that she is fulfilling that trope of, you know, being a privileged woman who could choose her doctor and cross state lines and all this to have her little fake play. You know what? And I hope the doctor who did the procedure fucking uh, yeeted it. OK, <laughs> I hope he wasn't respectful at all in your little fucking weird imaginary world where, like, you think something extra was done at the Catholic hospital for your non-viable embryo that would never be a child because you need to go into the uterine wall to start developing. It's just how it works. So uh, what was frustrating to me is that I felt like it ne- like the New York Times should have had a editor's note there that was like, With an ectopic pregnancy, there is not a body to deliver. To refer to it this way is false. It's not presenting. And I feel like these things are important that we stick to talking about what the thing is and what it actually looks like and whatever instead of allowing emotional imaginary flowery fucking language but no one will say to this woman because we're all supposed to respect her fucking delusions because it's nice to be pro-life and this is liberals problem and what i've said for the past whatever weeks is that every prominent democrat seems to feel ashamed and does think it's nicer to be pro-life and frankly enjoy this kind of misinformation just Stealing valor. Just it's just like you you went and you yeah, you got no, put under general anesthesia and then you and you had some cramping. That's right. what you experienced. There, there are women who have to carry a, a miscarriage to term, and they're aware of this for weeks, if not months. That this is yeah, the situation they're, they're, they're forcing in. people to do it now because immediately people stop doing DNCs in places. You know, there's that 10-year-old girl who got Ten-year-old girl in Ohio. If you don't talk back to the energy that is this crazy, I'm saving babies and whatever fucking shit, the great failure we've had is like, is acquiescing to that energy. Like, and that's what this article is to me. It's a liberal establishment essentially acquiescing to the moral narrative being controlled by pro-life insane people. And it is, to me, morally fucking wrong to make these statements, to lie to people, to present a false version of what you experience and what women in general experience if they have something like an ectopic pregnancy. Just because you want to imagine a soul, a child, doesn't make the tissue that was killing you a baby that you delivered. Like you could still say like on some weird, whatever level you felt like the soul, blah, blah, blah. But that's between you and your fucking God. This shit where you are acting like a, one of those plastic babies. <laughs> like, like you had to deliver something that looked like, like that. you had a Russian, like, like you had a Russian doll inside you. Yeah. Like, and then, I mean, this woman's so crazy. But it's very representative of, especially a convert, a holy rollers attitude in this area. Because I find, one, famously converts to religions are some of the strongest holy rollers. But for born-agains and people to convert to Catholicism, abortion is the thing they get fucking obsessed with. And... It's a wedge issue. You know what? Fuck it. If you convert to a religion and you go like balls to the wall, you're not well. You're not well. You're not an okay person. You have some issues. And that is just what I think. You could visit all kinds of spiritual approaches, whatever, but when you decide I'm going to 
take sacraments and da 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 whatever, of a religion that you did not grow up in, that you don't have a cultural connection to, like you don't have other kind of strings, whatever, you're just going on some weird uh, messianic thing, you're unwell. I'm sorry, I don't, you're not a person who has got a good perspective on anything. Bunny, in the last um, 45 seconds, I've converted to Zoroastrianism. And now, I mean, I'm all in. No, you haven't. You need to get baptized you for need, that. Yeah, yeah. That's, I it's am not sprinkling water on myself. Huh. You, as, no, you need a priest. No, yeah. Zoroastrianism is not easy to convert to. Yeah, um, I'm ready it is for the, the magic. Religion still in practice. Uh, by some accounts. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how you think about Hinduism. You guys really don't doing jokes um <laughs> yeah i mean you know just pick a religion that isn't notoriously difficult to convert to he was persian yeah. he's well he was uh from this community of persians that lived in india for multiple generations mm-hmm. um yes one caveat if if you want to marry some asshole. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, well, again, again. <laughs> and you that, love him, and the only that, way you can do yeah, it is if you convert, a, all right, a, fucking whatever. Yeah, that's me. like my, a reason. That reminds yeah. me, my brother is uh, finishing up his conversion to Coptic Christianity. Oh, fucking really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh my god, that's that's, that's like a, the my favorite he, thing I've heard in like fucking a he's while. He's been going and meeting oh, with that's so the priest uh, once a week, and uh, I'm the best man in two <laughs> weeks for the marriage. Enjoy in- the fasts, bitch. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh man, uh, that's there's funny. a lot of so there's a lot of Ethiopians who are Coptic, and there's a lot of Ethiopians who are Orthodox, and there's a lot of crossover, but nobody takes the fasting more seriously than just Ethiopians in general. Well, yeah, I mean, famously, uh, Coptics are on a fast day, which fast day can also mean, like, you're not eating meat sort of thing. sorry, yes. In the context of Christianity, fasting means abstaining from anything for a spiritual purpose. Right, right, right. Not like the modern Catholics do when they're like, I give up chocolate for Lent. That's not fucking fasting. It's prescribed... Right. So if you followed right. the Eastern Orthodox fasting calendar, if you wanted to go further than even most priests do well, <laughs> and keep it, you would be vegetarian or vegan for um, almost 60% of the year. Yeah, which is why the Egyptians have uh, such interesting, weird vegetarian cuisine. I mean, yeah, Egyptians, um, Lenten food in... Eastern Mediterranean in in Jordan in Lebanon is all very delicious and very vegetarian. Um, I don't think my brother's doing fasting. Yeah, well, also it's uh, you know most sort of the language that Cleopatra spoke, so that's cool too. One of the languages she spoke. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, Okay. Let's move. But he's got to fast before he takes communion. Yeah. No. Otherwise, it doesn't count, man. Yeah. I don't know. You I have don't to. Follow. No, it's literally like if you wake up and you let anything else pass your lips before the blood of Christ, <laughs> you gotta do yeah, it over. No, the fucking cop. Coptic church is a wild fucking church. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's quite the one to convert to. He's literally doing it just so he can get married in the right. church. Right. No, I understand why he's doing it, but uh, wild fucking one to convert to. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All right, Marlo. Uh, it, we are we are moving on to the international part of this. England in crisis. Yeah, no. Uh, so Boris Johnson, who I will not be referring to by any fucking retarded nicknames. Bojo. That, yeah, uh, Bojack Horseman resigned. I don't know. That's fucking it. Yeah. The lead up to it was pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know. I read like three Wikipedia articles and not all of them on this. So I have a uh, I have one basic notion. question of uh, why now? Pincher. The Chris Pincher uh, scandal is seems to be the straw that bro that like led immediately to resignations um what so the chris pincher was well i don't know if he's still a member of parliament but um basically he was in the cabinet as a conservative whip and it, it was well known that the dude like just became incredibly gay when he got drunk. Like, this has just been a thing that... It's just a British guy, right? Everyone's known about for no, 30 guy, fucking years. A British guy would be a pedophile. Well, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. That's the other thing is really bad at this because he keeps, like, molesting um other members of parliament. Like, he, he seems to, like, not go after staffers. He seems to go after, like, other people with an I, equal amount of power I as like him. I to imagine this was some like drunken logic. He was like, "Okay, go in trouble if they're my equal." Like, right. no, yeah, like I don't, I don't fucking like. I don't know. I literally, I just read a Wikipedia article about this today. If anyone's been like following this on the news because you live in some hilarious country where this is on the news all the time, yeah, I mean, sorry, I don't care. But yeah, so like he just like kept fucking groping people a lot like and like trying to kiss dudes like conservative members of parliament um yeah and so i don't know there were a bunch of like allegations and he got he resigned and then like boris johnson's administration was like yeah we didn't know about the allegations at the time we hired them and that was immediately shown to be untrue I think something about that came out recently, and that is the direct thing that led to a bunch of people resigning. Uh, then there was also Partygate, which Party was... Just, I knew about that. Yeah, which was just the conservatives like were violating COVID restrictions throughout the pandemic. Um, and it was like right at the beginning of the pandemic. Right. And, and also like snowballed. the like the other thing to understand is 10 Downing Street is smaller than a, an apartment on Friends. Like 10 Downing Street is like the sort of like locale that you know, it's nice for the city. It's nice because, you you know, you're fucking downtown, central London or whatever the nice part is. But, like, it's one of those things that you would show it as a TV set because that makes the Midwesterners understand, oh, that's a house and these aren't poor people. While, like, a few people who actually live in New York are like, what the fuck, are they, like, multimillionaires? Um, it's like when I was a kid and I watched anything that took place in, like, California but it was like supposed to be the hood. I was like, but they, they got houses. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but that's number 10 Downing Street. Like, it, it's the shittiest fucking place to make the head of a state to live. And so, you know, like they were- They do employ cats there. Yeah, because again, it's a fucking row home that some old lady no, lives in. No, and I appreciate this about, yeah, no, it, about the British well, government. Yeah, the British, the head of state, well, the head of government in England, because the head of state is the queen, but the head of government the head of the state is the queen's corpse right yeah basically lives in a nice place that he got rent controlled and inherited from his mom is how these people live so you know i can understand you have parties there and it's really hard to respect the uh you know distancing requirements i, I get it but yeah so they they were doing a lot of that and that was leading to shit i also just think like it's generally people are tired of the conservatives and they've just sort of held power for a while and things have generally sucked for everyone. So, yeah, I think it's like those two scandals and just general malaise is what I can tell. But, yeah, that just happened today. Yeah. Boris is getting married in a couple of weeks, though. It's going to be a very awkward wedding, I guess. Everyone's going to know. Yeah. Oh, you're marrying? He don't got a job anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Does that mean he doesn't have a job anymore? No. I don't know, but... It, it seems like they're just going to replace him with someone more awful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then the 
and Labor was, is going to try and use this to actually <laughs> win a fucking election in their lives. Which they probably won't. Right. Because they cut off each other's knees all the time. Like, they just... <sighs> I don't know. But the other international news that we haven't revisited in a while because there hasn't been a lot of news this side for mysterious reasons is the uh, still a Ukraine thing going on. And Donbass has fallen. Well, Luhansk has fallen. The Luhansk. Well, and then they're having that thing of uh, complaining when the people are like, actually, could we join Russia instead? Uh, which is happening in some places, yeah. and like it yeah. doesn't oh, yeah. fit the overall narrative. Well, uh, it it was the narrative from the beginning on their side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, from the American perspective of how very quickly this became bad guys, good guys, whatever. Like, and so you had the complete like minimization and erasure of the Azov Battalion being fascist and you know, Nazi-ish or whatever, because they had to make it a thing of Russian propaganda to whatever. But this is, in fact, a big part of those places that are like, uh, we maybe do want to go with Russia is pretty much because of that element. Well, after 2014 happened, specifically in Mariupol, basically the Azov Battalion marched in and took over the local government and basically maybe take the city hostages. But it'd be like if the Proud Boys took over a port city, you know, like Baltimore. <laughs> like, like if the Proud Boys took over the government of Baltimore at the national government's, like, insistence and support. Look, they, they would never do that because all of the white racists are too scared to <laughs> try something like this, you know. And they don't exactly have the government support that they did in Ukraine in the same way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it was essentially, yeah, Ukraine was relying heavily on irregular militias. Well, and, also, and when you do that, you need to give them a somewhat long leash because otherwise they might just fucking fuck off on you. Well, and I think um, there is a bunch of villages. Mm -hmm. It's villages and some that are arguably cities, but like things are not that, that thing that people do where they like project how America is onto everywhere. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's different. Well, well <laughs> Ukraine is, very interesting in that there is a lot, lot of agriculture that comes out of specific regions and now rush basket of Europe. But the part that they're really going for is the heavily industrialized zone. And, and Luhansk, they, they just took over Sirvesk, Sirvesk and Lysychansk, which are like two of the biggest cities in now what is the Luhansk People's Republic is occupying at the moment. But those two cities were supposed to be the stronghold that held back the Russian tide. And they had this giant infrastructure and they had a giant government that kind of had to all withdraw because, I don't know, Russia went in there and is winning. And you wouldn't know any of this if you were in America. Right. And also, like, I mean, just to... You know, circle back on, like, uh, a lot of people do want to be a part of Russia. Ukraine is one of the poorest fucking countries in yeah. Europe. Like, yeah. And they have, since Euromaidan, been very explicitly ethnically targeting communities and withdrawing public funds and, you know, reshuffling them elsewhere. So, yeah, some people... Uh, don't want to be a part of the country because it fucking sucks. And to go back to your, it was it's very punitive. It's very punitive on the minority Russian population where, like, you know, there might be a good reason they want to join Russia. And, like, Russia is a better economy than Ukraine and they have social infrastructure and financial infrastructure. I know that early on in I think Kirsten Kirsten is doing a annexation 
kind of thing uh, that they're asking Russia to annex them or they're doing a referendum for there annexation. Is. The Kyrgyzstan region. It's one of the uh, oblasts okay. that is... Okay, so I I have been following this closely, but there's like five fronts that Russia is occupying parts of what are essentially states or districts of Ukraine and that each oblast, which is the name of the districts, has its own capital that can then do a referendum to say, hey, we want to join Russia, and if the referendum passes, then they'll ask Russia to annex them. And so what happened in 2014 was that the Luhansk People's Republic that formed as a breakaway state from Ukraine voted overwhelmingly to ask Russia to annex them. Donetsk People's Republic did the same, and that's what started the civil war in Ukraine, was this explicit decision to for these regions to join Russia and Ukraine said, no, we're going to go to war with you instead. And uh, Crimea asked for annexation, and they got it, and Russia already had enough troops in there that it and it's like in a region that wasn't easily accessible, which is what prompted Ukraine to send a heavy militarization of the region. And they've been digging trenches ever since. And it's been like World War One kind of trench warfare for the last three months since we last. But there's five regions. There's like the southern region, which is close to Odessa. There's the eastern southern region, which is the Mariupol and then there's like the two people's republics of Luhansk and Donetsk. And then there's the Kharkiv region. And the Kharkiv region is mostly won back by Ukraine. But the question is, where does Russia go once the Donbass kind of falls? And that's where we're at. Like Luhansk is fallen. They're going for Donetsk. And after that, theoretically, Russia would have achieved all of its initially stated goals. Yeah, give or take. Yeah, like the idea of demilitarization, the denazification, and liberation of the LPR and DPR. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Does it turn into like a North and South Korea thing where the country split and the one, the Eastern section is not recognized as a part of Russia by most of the world because... They haven't recognized Crimea as part of Russia, and they haven't, in the Western world's eyes, it's going to always be Ukraine because they don't want Russia to expand, and they want reasons to punish Russia. Yeah, but it's also like, who else fills the space of of the big bad, yeah. right? Like, yeah, like, we had to put somebody else there since the war on terror has waned. And the war on terror was a replacement for the Soviet Union. Yeah, so it's just like it's just a little like honestly, it's almost lazy to make it. Meanwhile, Finland is getting ready to recognize the Turkish Republic of North Cyprus. my (laughs) fucking God. I gotta give it up to Erdogan that he is he uber all the sides, all the time in this way that it's like he uses either not being important or not being considered or underestimated to his advantage. Um, (laughs) I mean, that is actually like a part of the project with Turkey is uh, we don't give them enough credit for their sort of mental warfare, you know? Like, we joke about all the people online or whatever, but it has had this effect where when Erdogan sees an opportunity to float, to telegraph his dream and intention of taking the Greek islands that are in the Aegean, and when the Greeks who absolutely are being manipulated to react... (laughs) (laughs) he can then take that and be like, oh, they're being, like, he loved Islamophobia being um, a big concern of the West Mm -hmm. um, because he literally pinned every conflict that 
you know, he has with Greeks uh, specifically, especially as like <laughs> the, the Greeks are Islamophobic. <laughs> and the thing is, Americans will be like, I'm sure that's true because it seems like something that could be true about a part of the world I have no familiarity with um, except in imagination. So uh, I got to give it to him. He's more clever or at least what they've got in place with Turkey is like more clever than I often give it credit for because it's like they're the lack of power that they have in other aspects it's like they're trying to that's why they have this intense online <laughs> presence because it is something they can do and I mean anybody who's been in the space has come across a gray wolf <laughs> yeah um freedom I've come across freedom. So, but, yeah, to wrap it up, it is interesting that people started removing their Ukrainian flags from. The, did you notice that? Like, people started kind of. Yeah, I mean, it, no one's. People aren't fucking talking about it anymore. People aren't yeah. talking about it. Nobody wants to talk about supporting the losers either like that's the yeah. that's like I think a big drive. Like they went in the first well, I couple. Mean, what is world think was gonna happen right. here. And that's the thing. Like, it like, is. like, even if you were like completely unnuanced, like Russia bad, like we, like, did people who were like, did they think that we were gonna muster up everyone else to fight Russia well, for this? Well, yeah, like literally, World War Three was Ukraine's only option. Yeah. So I don't like that. I mean, I, and yeah, from the beginning, it's like that. That's it. I mean, that's the way Ukraine survives. Um, is the West generally goes to war with them? Like, there also seems to be a belief that democracy magic will power through the Ukrainian cause, and if we just bark at the Russians enough then the Russians will stop being so dang good at military tactics. I think this is just what irritates me in general, is that, like, it was like, let's just see what happens. It didn't seem like the people who wanted everyone to put a fucking Ukrainian flag in their profile or whatever, those people who were gung-ho, it's not like they had a vision of how it, should and could go. Russia was going to win. That didn't involve literally World War Three. Russia was going to win from the beginning unless World War Three happened. And right. that's it. And, you know, anything else is just stalling um, and dragging it out and leading to more deaths until the inevitable kind of happens. Uh, I don't think... Stay positive. Yeah. I don't think anybody who's in charge of anywhere frankly, has done much of anything in terms of, like, what I imagined smart leaders. Uh, Certainly not the Biden administration. Uh, yeah, I just... It's totally pathetically funny how there's still these, like, stragglers on who are like, don't be mean to Biden. <laughs> like, like, that matters. <laughs> like, He's going to let us starve. He's going to let us... And have food shortages. He's going to let fucking the grid, uh, like all the bad things he will absolutely allow happen. You know how I know? Because of how fucking feckless he's been in this Roe v. Wade overturning. And they don't have a plan. Worse than I even would have predicted. You would think that they would have like a six-week jump on things. They would have a plan set in place for when it eventually dropped, like a, a PR program. or Nothing. Nothing. No, money. Give me money. Anyway, guys, learn some survival skills uh, if you have the ability to. And then if you can't learn enough just uh, mark off on a map where all the devout Mormons live, uh, which is always my advice. When, just, it, just when it, They got three years worth of stock in there. Survival skills unnecessary. Just learn theory. That's what Marlo says. <laughs> and I guess we'll see uh, who's alive. <laughs> Damn straight. Oh, man. Right, see you. You know, every great war produces its great hit songs. And after each war, we like to gather around the piano or the guitar and play these songs. 
uh, we enjoy the songs because they remind us of how much we enjoyed the war. <laughs> now, World War III is almost upon us, as you know, by uh, popular demand, it seems. And uh, it occurred to me that if any songs are going to come out of World War III, we better start writing them now. <laughs> so I have one here. This is, uh, this is a song that some of the boys will have sung to their mothers as they will have gone bravely off to World War III. There's one reference in here that I should explain. There is a reference to our leading television news commentators, Chet Huntley and David Brinkley. I feel that this is appropriate because, as you know, World War III will be the first world war to be seen on television. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I certainly hope that we all have color television by then. <laughs> to drop the bomb, so don't wait up for me. But while you swelter down there in your shelter, you can watch me on your TV. While we're attacking frontally, watch Brinkley and Huntley describing contrapuntally the cities we have lost. No need for you to miss a minute of the agonizing Holocaust. Yeah! Little Johnny Jones, he was a U.S. pilot, and no shrinking violet was he. He was mighty proud when World War III was declared. He wasn't scared, no siree. And this is what he said on his way to Armageddon. So long, Mom, I'm off to drop the bomb, so don't wait up for me. I'll come back to my home, although it may be a pile of debris. Remember, mommy, I'm off to get a commie, so send me a salami and try to smile somehow. I'll look for you when the war is over, an hour 